Welcome back, friends, to Beyond the Sectors, your bi-monthly podcast all about the beyond world of author duo Kit Roca. My name is Chelsea. And I'm Anna. And we are here today to talk about book five, Beyond Addiction. We are finally starting, well, not finally, but we are definitely getting into some uh, pretty expansive books and some pretty mm-hmm. intense books. I think it's time to buckle in from here on out. Uh, but before we start the discussion, do you want to go ahead and let them know what Beyond Addiction is about, Anna? Okay, so this is the story of Trix and Finn. It's a second chance reunion romance. Um, Trix and Finn knew each other back in Sector 5, but he thought she was long dead. And at the end of Beyond Jealousy, she is kidnapped by Mac Fleming, uh, the leader of Sector 5. And he walks, and then here Finn walks in to discover not only an O'Kane being kidnapped by his boss, but the love of his life. And it's all about whether they can build a life together after everything goes boom. Oh, and everything goes big boom, friends. This is, uh, no pun intended, an explosive novel. I We talked a little bit back about how um, I've, li- I've learned to live for more than revenge is one of like my favorite like tropes in things. And I think one of my other favorite tropes is like, uh, the false martyr or the suicide mission trope, which mm-hmm. is something that we definitely get into in this book a little bit. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and start. This is, from my recollection, the first book that doesn't start with an O'Kane or doesn't start with one of our main characters that we're going to follow. Right. This book actually opens with uh, a chapter from Zan, who is the bodyguard who is with Trix when she gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, which I just thought was a really interesting way to pick right to, to start after such a big right. It, it's basically right. There's a cliffhanger, and basically we flip over to seeing it from the person left behind. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing uh, scene, and really set up you know Zan's story that we'll get to eventually. Just uh, his place in the gang, his feelings about being there for someone who needs him. Mm-hmm. Because Zan is a bodyguard uh, for the O'Kanes. Yeah. Um, and then so then immediately after that, we are back with Finn and Trix and, and everybody kind of with the action going on. Um, but what I think is really, really interesting is that Finn is uh, a bad guy. Finn's like one of the first, like we, we know that Bren had his, you know, Special issues with the gang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we know that Cruz did a little bit too, but I think this was one of the first really kind of bad guys who Well, who yeah, we've met O'Kanes. him before. The last mm-hmm. time we saw him, he is holding a gun to Lex's face mm-hmm. uh, after she's killed uh, uh, the, jo- uh, Jade's patron. Mm-hmm. And he was there not just because he happens to stumble upon there, but his job was to deliver the drugs that uh, uh, enslaved Jade. Um, so, yeah. This is a drug dealer and a major henchman for one of the major enemies of the O'Kanes, Mac Fleming. Mm -hmm. And so that really becomes a key part of his storyline because this was the first time we've really had to see someone trying to come into the O'Kanes atone for some very major wrongdoing in addition to what he feels like are his own personal sins related specifically just to tricks. There are several other members of the community that he has between Jade and Mad, like very realistically harmed that he has to kind of answer for. Right, right. Because he has, 
yeah, he doesn't have a good track record and he isn't like, oh, he was always trying to do good from Yes, he was trying to subvert Mac Fleming in his own small ways, but he did a lot of bad stuff and it had real consequences and real effects on people because it's it's also the connection we eventually fear like to Noah Lennox and to Emma and his relationship there. So yeah, there's yeah, he he has dirty dirty hands and Worst of all, he feels like he has dirty, dirty mm-hmm. hands. And he feels, and he has entered that place of it does not matter what he does. It does. He's done. He's gone. He is a lost soul. He is irredeemable. He's, he's like you said, he's dirty. He's just too far gone. And it, what is always interesting to me is one of the things I love the most about Kit Roka's world is that we get very, very bad people and really, really good people. But rarely do we get someone who is a completely black or white individual. And several times it comes up in this book that that Noah didn't do as much good or that Finn didn't do as much good as he could, but he also didn't do as much bad as he could. So that wrestling that not only he goes through, but that all the O'Kanes go through with how much is forgivable, how long is forgivable, what what can he do to make up for that is a really interesting thing because he ends up coming through with some pretty big guns he ends up really coming through for the O'Kanes in this book yeah you really get an it's interesting because we get to meet a lot of people who are allies of his um which eventually become O'Kane allies but it, it builds a whole part fills in a whole other part of the world we get to see how a whole other sector operates how people build relationships what those relationships are based on it's not just the O'Kanes who can make friends and allies mm-hmm. um and so you really get that world building that comes around that but i really love that yeah finn is like an all or nothing person and Mm -hmm. he has to learn that it doesn't have to be these big extremes that Mm -hmm. there's um (laughs) you know like you you can fight with people not just for people or against people you know (laughs) so Mm -hmm. and that's i think that really kind of um is a really interesting dynamic to watch with his relationship with Trix because Trix is this person who's completely left her old life behind. And because she's managed to do that, he has made that in his head a sign that she doesn't need him anymore. And she never did. And he has a very hard time acknowledging that at the base of their very, very complicated relationship that is very complicated and came from a very dark place but there's still this always been this root of affection there. And he has a really hard time accepting that and coming to terms right. with they that. They have to do so much unpacking and untangling about their feelings now and also their feelings then, because um, in some ways they really have to sort of like sort through what they used to feel for each other and whether there was any goodness in their old relationship before they can move forward and sort of embrace being there for each other now because mm-hmm. he feels like he's a poison like he's just bad, brought bad things into her life and even though he wants her like nothing else he also feels like he's terrible for her and maybe she'll be better off if he's not around mm-hmm. and that's so difficult because like on the one hand like there are parts of me as the reader where I could see how he would feel that way mm-hmm. and where I could see how he would coming from the history they have in the way that life in sector five is so vastly different than things are in sector four that he could feel that way and not want to like model that for her but that gets into kind of like we were just talking about with the novella in our last episode gets into that issue of consent that goes beyond just like a sexual consent of like Mm -hmm. it's not just that he doesn't believe her like 
at a certain point, not believing somebody when they're telling you something isn't just a matter of like your confidence. It's also a matter of trusting them and like Mm -hmm. them being willing to make their own conscientious choices as an individual. And he can't do that. Mm -hmm. Like he not only can't accept her love, like he doesn't give her the space to make that choice. And he's just automatically going to give it all up for her everything anything Mm -hmm. and everything no matter what and that's not actually what she needs right right i mean and there's so many layers to the relationship in terms of like he's always just wanted to give her everything which is terrible when you're trying to dry out you know and dealing from an addiction and his recognition of his failure to be that person for her um and his guilt over feeling that he can't be that person to her and that goes back to some of the ongoing themes in in these books right where uh kitroka um often will have um people realize that they can't be everything to for everyone Mm -hmm. and that they they they, that's why he couldn't be the person that helped her dry out somebody else had to be that person and that's okay and that he but he needs to accept that that wasn't the something he could do Mm -hmm. and she needs to forgive him for not being able to do it with her you know Mm -hmm. um there's so many things there that they have to sort out just beyond the really treacherous disap- leaving of uh, <laughs> Sector 5. I mean, this is a adventure story. There's crawling mm-hmm. through uh, tunnels. There's road races. Mm-hmm. There's- <laughs> mm-hmm. That I Reading that middle part reminded me so much of the car chase in Mad Max Fury Road, reading it again. This time it very much so has that feeling. And this is mm-hmm. the first time... I don't want to say that anything we have not done so far has been like low stakes for the O'Kanes, but I think these are some of the really like highest stakes moments yet. And we really get to um, see that not only are some of the O'Kanes at risk, but there are other people in the broader community of sector four putting their lives on the line and not always coming back with them on behalf of the O'Kanes and the community and what's happening. Right, it really makes the struggle a lot less insular. This is a this is going to lead to a real destabilization of the sectors. We've been seeing a creeping destabilization where we're seeing like uh, the the parties at, at Saracens just not be as sumptuous and all that kind of stuff. But this is where like everything could burn. Mm-hmm. You get that sense because the sector leaders are working at cross purposes. They're they're. Uh, actively trying to kill each other um this is not having cocktails and having backbiting conversations this is like real war happening now Mm -hmm. and i think that that raises the stakes to an even greater level when we really get to that like climactic moment so much of the relationship between Trix and finn is about this him being him wanting to always give all the time and her wanting to find the balance of the give and the take so then he's promised her that he's never going to leave her which don't ever Again, promise you don't, with get, you don't control like, that don't, we don't yeah <laughs> like we never make promises with absolutes friends but like he does that and then as someone points out to him he immediately Breaks goes up. and does that he immediately mm-hmm. goes and he leaves her and it's a very high stakes does not think he's coming back and so it takes him a long time to reconcile because of his issues with his own self-worth why that hits her so very deeply and yeah. so very hard. And in that it 
yeah, I, I love, you know, we're jumping toward the end of the book because you can't be helped. But mm-hmm. um, there is a sense of, you know, it isn't he comes home and it's all okay. Yeah. In fact, it's the slow distancing where every day she still doesn't believe he's going to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's a relationship breakdown we haven't seen before. We tend to see these big explosive fights that turn into uh, eventual like sexy lovemaking. This is not what's happening here. You know, she is physically there, but she has emotionally checked out after he comes back. Yeah, and he has such a hard time understanding why. And that's actually one of my favorite moments is that, like you said, so many before we've kind of, and reading them in such succession has really helped me to kind of see that pattern of like, we get to that point where they have their misunderstanding and they have their conflict. And then it's dealing with that as they also have to deal with this big thing, but we don't get that moment. And the fact that it's, it's teary goodbyes. And it's really this kind of, you get that, that up against the rock feeling of this is the rock and the hard place. And Finn is legitimately doing something that he feels he needs to do, but so is everyone and that doesn't necessarily like his own feeling about it doesn't necessarily validate the ramifications of the choice that he's making well yeah and i mean i think there's it's interesting the beats in this book are so different than a lot Mm -hmm. of the other beats because we have multiple climaxes that are like everything's going to shit and blowing up because we have their arrival in sector four okay i mean first it blows up at yeah, the we very have the kidnapping. Yeah, the very the kidnapping. Where she's kidnapped, mm-hmm. and then he shoots her way out of it. And there's all these emotional, like we find out things like maybe Jim Jerrigan has a mole in mm-hmm. Sector Five, and he's the manipulator behind everything. When we are introduced to Ryder, mm-hmm. and then there's the escape and meeting a hawk and his people, and the car chases trying to get back to Sector Four, and you arrive, and they nearly kill him. Um, you know, he's delivering her back, but they're like, you're a bad dude. Yeah. <laughs> and, you do- and so like, why should we keep your life? You know, so there's all these moments that just keep building, building and building. And through there, like they're solid for yeah. a long time. Like, you know, f- f- once they get over like, oh, you're not dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, they're like, they're still ready to pick up, but then things get really complicated because it's really mm-hmm. about, that that power dynamic is that subtle like you can't just be unbalanced you need to have a life you need to make friends you need to be here for you not for me which is we're gonna um see again in the series uh of people finding their worth in and being coming a part of the okanes not just as an um attachment or a, a plus one because um, Finn's pretty much like, I'll be here plus one. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, use me as you like. I'll build uh, greenhouses and mm-hmm. uh, get you great medication. <laughs> but but he has to, but he's still doing that for her. Mm-hmm. And it takes a long time for him to like, people can forgive me for me and mm-hmm. love me for me. And I have a place here whether Trix takes me back or not. No, but, and like you were saying, that's the point, like, that's the part of that final encounter or that whole thing that frustrates me on Mia's side, uh, or sorry, on Trix's side, because Trix, like, there are moments when he, like, she knows he's doing it for her, and he is, but also he does point out to her that, like, 
she has been working very hard to bring him into this community and into this family and to kind of set down these roots here. And he's starting to do that. So he is not just wanting to protect her. He is starting to acknowledge that there's this other community. He believes in four. He literally calls it, you know, the puppies and rainbows kind of (laughs) dreamland for all of the other sectors who aren't in sector four. So he really does feel like he's trying to protect all of that. I agree. It always comes back to her. He says at the end of the day that like, she's his ride or die like that's it Mm -hmm. but he is starting to come to this place of wanting to build this community and make amends and fit in with these people by coming to their aid in what he thinks is the only possible way right because he he like can't see um solutions that don't involve him like mortally dying Mm -hmm. he just and and like you see dallas and you see lack sort of like give us time to come up with something stall for us all this kind of stuff. And he's sort of like, no, I, I just got to die. <laughs> it's like, but it's because, but it's because I think he would feel like that's when he gets to be the redemptor. He gets to be, do something good. Um, he's going to save this beautiful place and that hope. And he doesn't realize that by trying to do that, he is killing that in tricks. Um, because she like I mean like that moment where Lex is like she was packing. Mm-hmm. If you didn't come home, she would have been gone. Like it's a realization for Lex and Dallas that they would have lost her. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was sort of like I brought you to him, bring brought him here, and all you do is let him die. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a failure to her of like the O'Kanes. Uh, you know, like, I think, yes, we see O'Kane's die. We see O'Kane's suffer. Um, but it was sort of like, you're not supposed to let that happen to him. Yeah. Uh, moment. Um, which is what makes it even more, uh, like, I love that scene. I love that scene where he goes to sacrifice himself and it all goes to shit and the how and the why. And just <laughs> just like you're saying, the, like, action moviness of that scene and how it all plays out. This is one of those moments. And you can totally see it in slow-mo, the Oh, yeah, absolutely. And him, you know, running the guy down with his getting the handcuffs around his neck. And mm-hmm. this is one of those moments that I love most when I'm reading romance, which is this moment where, you know, because it's a romance, like it's going to be fine. But also you really go into it wondering how all the puzzle pieces are going to fall together so that it is fine. And so that everybody's mm-hmm. coming home at the end of the day. And I always... Just, I think those moments take just like skill wise and artistically as authors a lot of um, really nice forethought and planning and creating that tension. Even though, as a reader, my foreknowledge of how the genre ends could kind of keep that from hitting as hard as it does. I really love that whole scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we also see in that scene, and we'll go ahead and ta- transition yeah. a little bit to talking about the world building because, like, this a lot is of world building. yeah. This is a very world building, maybe one of the most world building heavy books we've really gotten in a while in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and we learn by the end of this book that Dallas is not the only one uh, with a long game, and he's not mm-hmm. the only one who's putting some um, maybe pieces with a in longer play. Game, somebody mm-hmm. has a longer game than him. Yeah. Uh, and it's also one of the first times I think we really see um, things don't go the okay way. Um, not that that secret council meeting without them Mm -hmm. and And it goes against them. 
and that they didn't see it coming yeah. was that the biggest thing because you're so used to them sort of anticipating and being able to, to and Logan Beckett really co- goes around them uh, in in a way that they didn't expect, which is you know really significant. Um, but yeah, man, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in terms of that. Um, you know, we get a lot more on the base mm-hmm. uh, because that they have this like secret medicine cache and uh, again, get a sense of like, you know, what a risk he is taking by raiding that because he's not just stealing from five. He is mm-hmm. stealing from the base. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and we get, you know, the, so there's that expanded sense of that. Um, and there's a lot of discussion on how far the sectors can go before Eden does something mm-hmm. because uh, you know, they're debating like if they destabilize, you know, should they go into five and do things there or uh, do they let them sort it out? Um, because they're just, they're all trying to figure out how much destabilization can occur without everything just falling completely apart. Mm-hmm. And I think we really, we kind of, we've been told in other books that that's the, the balance of power, right? That, that the overarching scales are to keep just enough independence and all of that without getting too quote big for their britches mm-hmm. and drawing the attention mm-hmm. of the city and having Eden step in. But I think because things in this book are really starting to go haywire and all of the wheels are really starting to come off, like the pre-existing structures of all the sectors up until now, we really get the sense of just how quickly that balance could shift and how dangerous that could be for everybody in all of the sectors. Right. And and this is also the book where basically the barbarian, ignorant barbarian facade completely drops out because basically Dallas has just grown too tired of it and there's no point. Nobody believes it anymore. So he just playing out was like, okay, Jim, what's, what are you playing at? Yeah. And I think it's, I really like that moment because I think it's kind of a small one, but I think it's really important because I think otherwise I think it could be very tempting to say that, um, that that Dallas has been mischaracterized or that somehow it hasn't been a very intentional, slow shift in the way that Dallas presents himself for, you know, around him, both like his character Mm -hmm. growth and then also just like his development as kind of a politician in the sectors. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like that that's in there on the page as like a deliberate acknowledgement that he is making a character yeah, departure like, um, yeah, that's that not what he used like, to be. Uh, yeah, we're done with that. Let's let's get real here. Um, and so, yeah, we get to meet some other very interesting figures that will fe- feature strongly in other books. We get to know Ryder, who is Finn's best mm-hmm. friend in uh, Sector 5, who has this um, getaway bag that yeah. he gives them and a getaway plan. Basically, he burns his own getaway plan to give that to Finn. And then plays a very pivotal moment when it all comes down between Logan and uh, Finn. It has to make a choice. So basically, do I do what my boss has told me to do? And boss being both his bosses. Mm-hmm. Or does that friendship win out? That He basically makes a bet that making keeping Finn around is the better choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be really interesting by, when by the time we get to Ryder's own book. Mm-hmm. And then we also have um, uh, uh, the introduction of Lily. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So Lily is the daughter of Mac Fleming, who I think we've seen her one time before, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Talking about uh, going into her medicine cabinet and the icy cold and that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So we've seen her once before, but we pick up with her now. Last time we saw her was basically when she was 15 and we're going to learn how to be a good uh, drugged up wife. And now she is um, the wife of the new leader. And her sort of brief time where she's been allowed to be just a pretend wife is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan is coming for her. And what that, does that mean? Um, and she has quite the entrance at the end of the book. Uh, covered in blood. <laughs> I love that scene. In her furs. And of course, it's so sad because it's because she's drugged up. But she's just like so blissed out. And she's covered in blood. And... She just kind of casually talks about how she shot her guard and walked to the O'Kane's and it all just feels very kind of surreal because she's yeah. so drugged completely to the gills. Right. And then, I mean, what a story that she brings because, you know, she has this moment where she's begging to go see her family and he's like, nope, nope, you're going to start our own family. And what the inciting is, is she discovers he's murdered all the Flemings. And uh, so she is alone in the world. Her and you know we'll see some other daughters of evil people like in Beyond Possession mm-hmm. next. Um, but that's gonna be an interesting thing of for her of coming into another refugee from Sector Five, who has a vastly different experience of being a woman in Sector Five than with Trix, because mm-hmm. Trix for a long time was a hanger on for drugs and then even became addicted to those drugs intentionally as I used to be manipulated Mm -hmm. by Fleming to control Finn and how that affects her viewpoint of herself and her relationships. And it's going to be interesting to see that contrast when we get to Lily uh, of she's on the wife side of the game, but Mm -hmm. as equally drugged up and messed up by that world. And I think it's really interesting. I mean, obviously the title of this book is Beyond Addiction, but the 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 addiction aspect specifically in this book, I think, is so important. And I think it's it is so foundational to the sussing out and the the way that Trix and Finn really kind of set up the foundation of their relationship is all around navigating how much of their past selves was addictive behavior, how much of their mm-hmm. current relationship is based on that past relationship and it's I think really powerful and a really important kind of narrative that in this book Trix thanks Finn for not for realize like she realizes that he cannot be her sober companion like he can't be the person who's going to get her out he they can't do that with each other because of all of these other emotional issues that they have going on and so like you were saying earlier that theme of not everyone can be everything to a single person, I think really gets magnified and pulled out in a different way here because it's about specifically addiction and it's specifically about getting clean and who is best equipped in a community to help somebody get clean. And it's not the person who is their co-user and their provider Mm -hmm. and that person. And so I think it's something that we see, like addiction is a thing that we start to deal with a little bit more in the series as we meet Lily We've heard Jade's story about coming out of the addiction. Mm-hmm. Doc has his own whole set of a baggage when it comes to drug use and addiction and drinking and things like that. So I just think it's interesting in a world that is, quote, 
vice and sin to right. see the aspect of that particular ramification. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think there's so many moments where there's all these layering of how you deal with feelings and how do you f- express those feelings and face those things and being numb uh, that they're just going to continue to express of like all the self-destructive elements and all the um, relational elements that go like you, you really get to see like the generational impact of these mm-hmm. choices, uh, how just people are carrying these different ways to maybe we have responses based on these experiences. Um, yeah. And so like I, it's, it's really nuanced of how, how can you build anything back from that kind of beginning? Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I really love that theme for this whole series is, is all of these characters who come from different sorts of broken beginnings. And what I see and think is interesting in this book, and we see it, the characters do it themselves. They kind of draw out a lot of parallels between um, some of the other women who have come into the compound and who have not felt um, worthy of a cane, okay appreciation or have been struggling with this. And then also Finn, who's kind of dealing with a similar kind of narrative, but not because he's clearly got all of these ways that he's harmed the O'Kanes, but there are some very distinct lines drawn between his story and Six's story in terms of yeah. having to kind of prove themselves or be well, in they have, the compound. Right. Because I mean, um, Trix brings it up of like Cruz had to prove himself, but he had a chance at being able to prove himself, you know, like you let him. And so the challenge is that they are not letting Finn uh, like mm-hmm. earn his way in and trust his way in. And then at the same time, there's a whole thing where Finn feels he deserves every blow. He wants to be punished. Yeah. He wants like he feels like he's been getting away with it for too long to the point where like he felt, you know, he feels this incredible guilt over her death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah. uh, and now he has to deal with that, you know. And I think that that's, you know, we see um, the O'Kanes, we see several different members of the O'Kanes. There's two really great scenes. The first one is when um, Finn and Trix are hooking up basically in the marketplace. And it's really hot and it's a little like BDSM-y, but they don't realize how it will look to an outsider perspective. So Jas comes over and he starts to, to kick the shit out of Finn because from his perspective and given all the other things he already knows of Finn, he thinks that he's assaulting tricks. Yeah, yeah. And it's That's just such this, a moment. It's such a moment because you immediately can see how bad it could look for Jas not knowing the internal development that we've seen, you know, mm-hmm. being inside mm-hmm. this relationship, but also like on one just purely surface level, like, it's so embarrassing and like it's so intense and all of a sudden like they're fighting and it just was this it's a perfectly written moment absolutely because you know yeah there's this role playing that is happening and it's all about like letting him understand that she needs some of this and that she wants to be able to say yes to this and then booms an outsider's like what the heck are you doing Mm -hmm. And, and yeah it just because that moment to me always pairs in my mind with the scene where then Maddox, where Adrian, where Matt is trying to go after him in the cage because that's where the the O'Kane mm-hmm. settle their battles and he he goes into a fight with Bren, Finn does, and you mm-hmm. get the the vibe that it's fight night and they're fighting but they're just fighting 
to and, kind of be dudes releasing testosterone. Yeah. yeah, it's very like he's earning his keep and doing like a fun fight night. But then Mad steps up and he has like legit beef that he wants to settle with Finn. Okay. And Finn just stands there with his arms out and says, yes, hit basically. Me. Yeah, he says, yeah. I deserve it. Go ahead and hit me. And of course, Mad can't do that because... The Okanes don't fight baggage. people who are fighting back. And they, he has his own baggage with not going after people. Like, And so mm-hmm. there's that scene where he gets so frustrated because he just wants to kick the shit out of Finn. And Finn is not fighting back, yeah. which is actually the thing that Mad me. And so it's just this very, like, many levels of each character figuring out their own. How to sort these feelings yeah. out. How to get over the these terrible things that have happened in older relationships. And how can you move on? Because, like, Mad needs to, like, thinks he needs to have this fight on behalf of Jade. And it offends his honor. Mm-hmm. And then it offends his honor to try to hit somebody who won't fight back. You know, it's like all these, like, conflicting uh, feelings fighting out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, then, do we want to go ahead? Because talking a little bit about Jade and Mad, talk about some of the other characters we talked about. Like, we meet so many people in this book, guys. Like, yeah. We've already talked about Lily. We've already talked about some of the other sector leaders and Ryder. We also meet, uh, or we get more information about the way the relationship is developing or has developed between Jade and Mad, and mm-hmm. also Mad and Doc, mm-hmm. um, which those three form part of our love square that's coming up mm-hmm. like very mm-hmm. shortly. And then we also meet Hawk, yes. who lives on the um, one of the farms that they end up kind of escaping to on their right. way back Right, they're like smugglers, they're like mm-hmm. cool car smuggler people. Uh, and um, we meet, like, we learned, like, she had been a former farm, like, run the other kind style. His mom was at 14, married, like, a seventh wife or whatever. Mm. And the guy, who I forget his name, is it Slim or something? Um, something like that. Yeah, who who basically liberates the women of, of that farm and has become a second father to Hawk, but is much younger than yeah. actually uh, Hawk's mom. So there's all that. So there's just like, you get a sense of people live very differently um, in the communities that they're building, but basically Hawk is looking for a way to protect his own little place in the world. Um, he So he's looking to uh, earn those favors. Um, and... You know, that's the first time we sort of get to see a non-Ocane sort of courting Ocane uh, power base to protect his place. You know, mm-hmm. like he, the, you know, there's there's just like everybody senses that war is coming mm-hmm. and that they're at a precipice of a very dangerous moment. And I think it's what Hawk brings is so interesting because is that coming from that farm background and that agriculture person. Um, between that and Finn's engineering capabilities, because we actually learned that Finn's mom mm-hmm. was uh, an engineer of like On the base. basically survival tech before the flares. And so the two of them are able to get together. And this is the first time we really see that conversation or that kind of sparking of the idea of complete self sustainability of, of the yeah. sectors kind of starting to integrate with some of the outlying areas and kind of really forming that community that can stand on its own because like you just said like they all know war is coming and they know it's probably not here yet but they're already starting to put in places those survival long-term mechanisms because they're talking Mm -hmm. about building greenhouses putting gardens on all the roofs of the buildings in the area which is just an even cooler world building thing in terms of just like 
the actual world, like the whole world and what survival in that kind of environment would look like. Yeah, and that's where it was really interesting to see the world from a different perspective again. You know, in every book we have an outsider who comes in and sees them, but this is what what Finn is noticing is infrastructure, right? So he notices like how all the compound pieces look like they've been reconfigured and reconfigured and reconfigured and turned into something new. So you get a sense of the Okanes always reinventing themselves and adapting to new situations, um, which just sort of like you realize how much they've evolved from whenever they first started up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that, yeah, it's because we see more of Hawk and specifically Hawk's family and the, the kind of smuggling operation and connection to the farms that they have becomes plot important in the next couple of like novellas and books as mm-hmm. Hawk more fully joins the Okanes. But yet again, it's just such a wonderfully kind of seamless integration and really lays some foundations like you were talking about of Hawk wanting to, get his in with the O'Kanes and how that desire and some of the little favors he's already done come back to benefit him in later books. Um, Okay, moving towards wrapping up, did you have favorite parts, uh, parts that didn't work quite as well for you? Anything that stands out? Well, something that stands out to me is, um, and I think uh, Bree and Don have talked about this, how Trix's their first sort of plus size heroine. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been at one point very uh, uh, drug thin, right? And part of her sobriety is embracing her body and food and life. And she is very curvy and just, um, you know, and they eventually represent that in the cover that they give her. Um, but, you know, like the, and it's interesting, like they talk about sometimes people don't see that, but when you read the text, knowing that you can see like, oh yeah, th- this is sort of consistently represented. Um, and that's a, just, again, another sort of expanding of the world. Not everybody is this young, uh, thin uh, image of beauty that there's going to be a lot of different images of beauty and her power when she dances and what she claims for herself. Mm-hmm. And I really love that, especially com- combined with the part where she does still dance and, and of mm-hmm. all of the kind of things she could do with the O'Kanes is she still dances and she dances in a way and a style that's very different from the way that say like Rachel dances, Right. who She's Rachel is, burlesque. I mean, like Rachel's basically just masturbating on stage, like, which mm-hmm. is fine and nobody cares, but like, it's less kind of artistic performatory and sex which is very much so what Trix is doing with literally the fans and the burlesque and the peacocks and all of the mm-hmm. the things is it's a different Hiding kind of behind the shade mm-hmm. and yeah. so it's all very which is just a very interesting kind of um way to elucidate the differences in the O'Kane women and the differences mm-hmm. in the way that even just something like dancing on stage for cash can be such a different expressive character building thing in this mm-hmm. universe so mm-hmm. I really loved that I really love getting to see a little bit of the market and getting to meet Tatiana. I really like Tatiana a lot. And so I'm very excited for our next novella (laughs) because I really love her and she's a total badass. But just like you were saying, every book does a different aspect of world building and expands on something we already knew. And so this is a really nice way of getting to see the market from two people who are like, like Trix is an O'Kane, but she's not like a Jass or a mm-hmm. Bren or a Lex or even a Noel. Like she's just kind of an O'Kane. She's not necessarily super high in like the leadership. And so like, it's just another way to watch the community interact with 
her oh, and how mm-hmm. that is different from say the way Tatiana would probably act with like Lex or if Dallas mm-hmm. came and how that just makes the community so much more well-rounded yeah absolutely um all right friends I think that about wraps it up we've done almost 45 minutes so I feel like <laughs> we've gotten through at least most of it um looking to next time we're going to be doing another standalone episode on the next novella it almost feels weird to call them novellas because short novels yeah short <laughs> novels like they are technically novellas but each one is getting progressively longer they're like, longer they're like and... the, the the okane categories i guess because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> they're a little uh more self-contained um so yeah so next book it's going to be beyond possession Mm-hmm. And that is Trix and Zan's, that's Trix and Zan's, oh my goodness, Tatiana and Zan's story. And we get to learn a lot about the history of Sector 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are about to get into some world building, but retroactive. And that's mm-hmm. uh, something I'm very much so like the way Brian Donna handles. I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, but yeah, so come back and join us in two weeks for a discussion of Beyond Possession. Uh, where can they find us online in the meantime, Anna? You can find us at beyondthesectors.com or Beyond Sectors on Twitter. Wonderful. I am on Twitter as at an outlaw life. And I'm there as Anna Koki. And until next time, friends, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you beyond the sectors. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.